0: Transfer news
1: Unlikely
0: I, Hey, that's not what I wrote.
1: I don't really care, we're going with it now.
0: Alright, soccer Today new bracket America, America. <laughs> Soccer New Black America feature a person do, 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 do. talking about soccer lots Hello and welcome to episode 62 of Soccer Noob Rockin' America. But what? MLS had their final. No more rocking left to do. So untrue. Right, daughter, co host, person, noob? There's
1: no more rocking left to do.
0: There is rocking left to do. Just because the American season is pretty much done doesn't mean we're going to stop, does it? No. No, we can't be stopped. Now, our podcast Leans USA and then our region, and then soccer leagues and tournaments the whole world over. Plus, we've got our wacky segments in between some of the previews. <laughs> we never stop. The authorities and local mental health professionals alike have tried, but here we are. And what we will do is give many previews on the 10 most important matches in the world this week, uh, December 17th through 23rd, that's Thursday through Friday. Most important as we define them, that typically tends to be top two matchups from top domestic leagues, Anywhere on the planet Plus uh, big national team matches International club matches FA Cup finals It is all within our ken Excuse me And our first match shows American soccer actually isn't quite done after all Let's dive right in with Match number one no Friday matches happen to make the cut for the 10 that we are going to officially track. We start on Saturday in Liga Puerto Rico, which is an amateur league, but nevertheless, it is the top league on the Island. 2018, 19 was the first season of, for this particular league, they've had a lot Of things over the years 2019-2020, uh, that season Was abandoned, just so you know Because of the COVID pandemic, as you might guess uh, Partway through, at the time they had 13 teams Participating This year, now that it's going again, the 2021 Season, uh, they've only got Seven teams, and they only played a single Round Robin before the top four Embarked on the league playoffs The winner of the playoffs will qualify For the Caribbean CONCACAF Shield, which is the lesser of two tournaments in the Caribbean sort of a subgrouping or subconfederation within CONCACAF. Here's how that sets up. Uh, the Caribbean Club Shield winner will play the Caribbean Club Championship, which is for more of the handful of uh, professional leagues and their teams in the Caribbean. Their number four team, the, the two of them will have a single match playoff for a CONCACAF League berth. The CONCACAF League is, of course, as I say every episode, Not the CONCACAF Champions League. It is a feeder for the CONCACAF Champions League. In any case, whoever wins this has a long road to hoe. But... uh to be honest, soccer in the island has been a, a bit of a hot mess for a long time, largely because it hasn't been prioritized. Baseball, basketball, and boxing have all been more popular sports over the years in many regards, although I have read that soccer now currently has the most participants of any sport on the island. In any case, your playoff matchup, it is for the final. Number one, Metropolitan versus number three, Bayamon. Uh, they are playing this at Venue Estadio Centroamericano de Mayaguez, which seats about 12,000 people to my surprise. First, let's talk about the home team, Metropolitan. Metropolitan Football Academy is a fuller name. It was founded in 2012. It is in San Juan. The grounds are actually in a suburb on the north coast called Guaynabo. They won the 2016 regular season, by the way, <clears throat> and the playoff titles for the top league at the time, which was called the PR Soccer League. They are the defending champions officially for this league because they were the 2018 2019 champions. They won the regular season and the playoffs. And then we're supposed to get to go to the 2020 Caribbean Club Shield that I mentioned before, but it got canceled because of COVID. So, as their new reward, they got to play in an expanded, at least for the moment, 2020. 2021 Caribbean Club Championship. They sort of, they well, like I said, they expanded that whole thing to just be one great big tournament for all of the best teams, both professional and amateur. And they did very well. They got all the way to the semifinals, which it was decided would earn them a spot in the preliminary round of the 2021 CONCACAF League, where they lost in the preliminary round 5-1 to Santa Lucia of Guatemala. Not a ton of history there, but you now have an awareness that there have been a lot of leagues over the years and that there and things in the uh, Caribbean in general are really very fluid, especially during this uh, COVID era that we're in. So now let's talk about the 2021 regular season. Uh, They went 5-0-1 in that first phase with a 32-8 goal differential. That was a number one offense by lots, number one defense by just a little bit. Uh, To advance to the final, they beat number four Academia Quintana uh, in that semi 5-0. The team's current form, uh, they've won four matches in a row with a 25-2 goal differential. Now, even with this asterisk in there, that's still very, very dominant, but it's just worth noting that one of those wins was a 14-0 win Over uh, one of the island's weakest teams And now Bayamon, your challengers They are known as Vaqueros, the Cowboys uh, They also play in the San Juan area In the northern suburb um, Of which the name was escaping me from the moment But I know that it is west of Guaynabo And it's the second biggest city At almost 200,000 people Oh, Bayamon is the name of the city, of course I just had to mm-hmm. scroll past it for my notes In any case, club was founded in 1999, so it's actually older than the league, and it's got a very interesting history. It is a member of David Villa, the uh, now-retired but legendary Spanish striker, uh, his DV7 Academy, which is a series of schools all around the world. In 2016, this actually became the first academy team under David Villa's business umbrella. Now, how have they done on the field? Well, they won the Liga Mayor de Fútbol Nacional, when it was the top flight, one of two amateur leagues that were considered Division One, They got those titles in 2000 and 2002, and they won the aforementioned PR Soccer League in 2009, and they have won the Liga Nacional de Football, de PR, in 2011 and 2012. That was when it was a co-Division uh, one league with uh, the PR Soccer League. So, again, I know a lot of league names and a lot of alphabet soup in there, but the thing to take from this is, No matter what the league name has been, this has been one of the dominant teams. They even won the Caribbean Club Championship in 2014. This year, they have a 4-0-2 record from the regular season, second-best offense. Defense has been a bit shakier, to be honest. Uh, They were only uh, number four in that regard, giving up almost two goals per match, and yet that was good enough for second overall goal differential. They advanced to this final over number three seed, P.R. Seoul. that was, uh, I know it was 3-3 to on regular time. I don't know what the penalty kick score was, but they did have to win it on penalties. The team's current form, they are 2-0-1 in their last three. But perhaps uh, very noteworthy that loss was a one-two loss to their hosts today, Metropolitan. And here we are for a road version of Personoob's sandwich review. Uh, who made the sandwich for you?
1: My grandpa. Person-
0: yeah, and what did he? What kind did he make for you? Jelly. And uh, is it a? Is it? A, is there anything special about the bread? I can't quite tell what kind of bread it is.
1: Uh, I don't know either.
0: Okay, it doesn't look like praying white bread. It looks good. Do you have any idea what kind of jelly it is? What fruit? Is it strawberry
1: or grape? Probably strawberry.
0: Probably, yeah, stra- probably yeah, strawberry. strawberry. Anything else you would like to add as far as the aesthetics of the sandwich before we try it? Oh, and uh, thank you, uh, Grandpa Slash the Management. He voiced the management for us once. He has brought over the uh, – what kind of bread do we have there, Grandfather?
2: We, we, we got uh, whole whole grain.
0: 12-grain bread. <laughs> yes, we do. All right. Sit on up, person noob. Have a bite and tell everybody what you think. Oh, yes. Nothing less disgusting than hearing chewing on the built-in internal microphone. All right. So what do we think? 12-grain multi-grain bread and strawberry jelly. What kind of review do you give it?
1: Nine Bs.
0: A B is a star. A I B like, is a I star. Like mm-hmm. I, I like we do like B. We have the number B on this show and then we end words with B like noob and review and interview. So nine B's out of ten B's. Any any suggestions you would have for Grandpa next time to make it a ten out of ten. Put more jelly on it. More jelly. All right. Thank you for joining us for
1: Person Noobs Sandwich Review. Yay! Match
0: number B. Number B. Ooh, number B. Number three. It's the new number between one and three.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Is that a pretty good theme song, or at least starts with a theme song for your number B? Hmm. Good start. Good start. We can work yeah. on. It. So, would you like to tell the folks why we say um, uh, number B instead of yuck number two?
1: Because what he just said is bathroom talk.
0: That's right. It's not couth, and it's not fit for polite society, quite frankly. So join us. Viva la revolución. Instead of number you-know-what, unless you're talking about you-know-what. Join us in saying number B. And your match number B is a really interesting one. It's uh, the FIFA Arab Cup is what they're calling it this year. It's for men's national tournaments that are largely the Arabian countries from the northern part of Africa and then, of course, Asia, the Middle East, as you might imagine. This is the first time that this tournament's actually been held since all the way back in 2012. It's only the first time in the 2000s it's been held. And this is the first time that it's been organized by FIFA instead of sort of a freestanding organization called UAFA, UAFA, I assume that's United Arab Football Association. FIFA's putting it on instead. Um, the winners of this, there's no other international tournament berths on the line. It's not a qualifier for the World Cup or anything like that. Simply a very important standalone to this region. And the whole thing this particular year has been taking place in Qatar in all the stadiums that they're going to be using for the World Cup next year. This has been something of a uh, a dry run, if you will, a prelude. They've been uh, holding it all month long. Sixteen teams made the event proper. Nine got buys into the event proper. Fourteen other teams had to play single leg playoff matches, preliminary round, if you will, to be the other seven to round out the sixteen. Then they divided into groups of four, and the top two. From each of those groups Made the knockout round But this is the final we're going to talk about And it's the best two teams from the region Now officially if you look this up You will see that it is number B Tunisia Versus number 3 Algeria Technically is the host They decided to list uh, Qatar as number 1 But really if you look at their FIFA rankings It's the 5th best Of the Arabian teams uh, By the way also they uh, did a bronze medal match And that was between Egypt and uh, Qatar uh, this final is going to be taking place in a city called Al-Khor, up on the uh, kind of north northeast coast of the small country. It's Arabic for Creek. So a little linguistic or language lesson for the day. Uh, in recent years, they haven't played too many times, but Algeria have had the best of it with a 3-1-2 and record. You can see how this one's going to turn out. Choose to watch it at 10 a.m. Eastern Time in the U.S. on FS1. And if for no other reason, I realize we go far and wide from our soccer and that a lot of people listening will enjoy that, but they tend to, for their viewing or listening, tend to stick with uh, Europe, maybe Major League Soccer, Liga MX, stuff like that. This and it might be the first time they're using it. I'm not sure of that, but they are going to be testing out sort of a semi-automatic offsides technology. Get that out of the refs' hands and eyes, and make it uh, you make a robotic, basically. So kind of cool. I'm going to be watching for that. Now let's talk about the host team first. Tunisia. Uh, They have a really cool nickname, uh, Harkening Back to Antiquity. They are known as not just the Eagles, but the Eagles of Carthage. Uh, FIFA rank, they're number 26 in the world. They made uh, have only ever made five World Cups all time, three of them this century. Most recent one was in 2018 where they went 1-0-2 and in the group stage. Uh, We're considered to have finished in 24th place. That's tied for the best that they've ever done here in the 2000s. As far as the African National Championships, they have qualified for 14 straight of those AFCON tournaments. Last iteration was 2019. They finished in fourth place. 2004, they actually won it. Uh, The third time as far as this particular event... Uh, they won it, in. this is their third time in this event, I should see the uh, Arab Cup. They won it all the way back in 1963, but it just hasn't been held that many times compared to most events. They advanced to the final with a 1-0 win over uh, Egypt in the semifinal. Number one event score to look out for. Saifadin Jaziri. He is a forward uh, with Zamalek, which is one of the best two or three clubs probably over in Egypt. He's had four goals and then still playing for them. uh, The second best all-time national team leading scorer there, Wabi Khazri. He's an attacking midfielder who was actually born on the French territorial island of Corsica and plays for uh, Saint-Etienne, which I believe right now is the worst league going in the top flight in France, but they have him scoring for them as well. The team's current They have won four out of five in this event with a nine and four goal differential. And now Algeria, they are known as the desert warriors. And then another nickname they have is one that I just love. I'm pausing here because I'm kind of preparing to show person something uh, because you're into animals person, aren't Mm you? They are known as the fennec foxes, which the foxes are part of the Canid or the dog family. What's so funny about that? Or are you choking on the rest of your jelly sandwich?
1: I play Adopt Me, which is a Roblox game. And I really, really, really want to – I can't remember if it's a dog or a cat because I haven't played it in a while – to make a Neon. And I have a a Fennec Fox. I'm like, I'll trade a Fennec Fox – for a, cat, for a common cat or co- common dog And I didn't know how to pronounce that So thank you
0: Well I'm not 100% sure I'm pronouncing it right But okay. how realistic is the one that you get to see Because I pulled up some pictures You want to see what a fennec fox looks like Sure uh, <laughs> Are I, I, they not the, It's a tiny little thing It almost looks like a chihuahua doesn't it <laughs> And look at those giant ears. Are those not the cutest animals you have ever seen? Not very intimidating as far as for a soccer mascot, though, is it? But aren't they cute? Name a cuter animal right now. Can you? You probably can't. It's the cutest animal you've ever seen.
1: It's tied with an axolotl. That cute little face.
0: Oh, that's right. Axolotls are very cute as well. The little salamanders. Okay. So I imagine this is the team that you are going to root for is the Algerian Men's National Team known as the Fennec Foxes, the smallest. And you know what those ears are for? I guess they can flap those or maybe as part of the natural cooling system, it's to help them dissipate out of their bodies the desert heat. Yes, you are doing your own big giant ears. You must be hot as well. All right, back to the funny. This is the number three FIFA-ranked team in the world. They have made four World Cups all time, two of them here in the 2000s. They did not qualify in 2018, but in 2014, they had their best ever finish. They made the round of 16. They qualified for the last four Afcons, and they won the last iteration for those uh, the African National Ch- or continental championships. They advanced to this final with a semifinal win over the host team Qatar one to two, a true road game for them, if you will. Uh, four players have scored uh, twice for them in this event. So if you're watching this on TV, just look for players. Who have a last name that starts with B? All of their best uh, scorers, and they all start for uh, Qatari teams, oddly enough, uh, from their uh, top flight, the Qatari Stars League. Uh, unlike Tunisia, by the way, this team has players placed all over Europe, and I mean with some of the top flight teams, like their captain, guy I want you to look out for, Riyadh. Mahrez. He is a winger, French-born winger. I plays for Man City and he's made, I think, 100 or 101 appearances for them since 2018. He's easy to pick out on the field because he's really slight of build. He can be a really, really good dribbler, but he's also inconsistent. He played grew up playing a lot of street ball, not academy ball, so he plays a lot of flair. And it's really fun to watch for better or for worse. As far as the team's current form, uh, Algerian MNT haven't lost in at least two years. That's as far back as I looked. And as far as this event they have a gold differential of 11 and 4 and they are my favorites to win
1: match number
0: three and believe it or not that's all we have for saturday the lion's share of our matches are going to be sunday matches this is the first of them we're headed off to italy for their top flight the serie a for an excellent one this is the number three ranked league in all of Europe. Uh, Like a lot of those top leagues, the top four teams at the end are going to get to go to the Champions League. Fifth place will go to the Europa League. And then the uh, next one down in the stadiums will go to the new tertiary international club tournament, the Europa Conference League. Your matchup is number B, Milan, versus number four, Napoli. And the table is tight. Uh, Inter Milan, not Milan, they lead at 40 Milan, the one that we're talking about, is a point behind at 39. Atalanta at number three at 37. And then number four, Napoli, that we'll be discussing with this match is in at number four. And it really is going to be a four-team race because Fiorentina, a team that doesn't typically compete for European competition, they're actually in fifth place this year, but all the way back at just 30 points, six points behind Napoli. The series between these two teams, Napoli, have had the best of it by a bit with a 10-8-5 and 5 record. You can catch this on TV or perhaps online Eastern Time here in the U.S. That's on CBS Sports Network or Paramount Plus. However, the spirit might move you to get your Calcio action. And that's all we're going to say about this particular match because here to help us know how to gamble, once every week he helps us out. So, courtesy of a drug-addled version of some sort, here is 3,500-year-old in-house prognosticator Noob Stradamus. Take it away, oh mighty soothsayer.
2: Greetings from the Thracian Plains of Greece. For your soccer results, I imbibe the smoke of the lotus leaf and travel through space and time. Whee! And I have traveled far, far back all the way to the founding of the city of Milan, when the first of its walls were being raised by the founding Celtic tribes. But these tribesmen were not having a fine time. Hostilities, in fact, were brewing. Violence was imminent. They could not decide on an emblem for the city. The two greatest tribes were the Aedul and Baturigus, having their own emblems of the boar and ram, respectively, and they were about to desecrate the occasion with foul blood. I then saw a huge wild boar being hoisted out of the excavated earth where the wall would be planted in deepest. Respected figure as I was, I stepped in and indicated the sign. The boar would be the emblem do-do-do-do, all wrapped up. But no, not good enough for the now offended Peturicus. Sighing exasperatedly, I quickly drew in the dirt the same boar, with sleek bristles on one half, but wool on the other. And so now you have learned the true meaning of the city's first name, Mediolen, not In the middle of the plain, as many have suggested. Rather, half-wool after this new double-form animal. City emblem to this day. Double form. Double. Noob, in honor of the city's founding name and emblem, I divine Milan will win by double. Four to two. I have seen And I have spoken.
0: Match number number four. The top flight in the Netherlands is called the ERA DVC. We head there for our fourth match. This is the number seven ranked league in all of Europe. As such, they get uh, one group stage uh, berth for the Champions League. They get another one for the third qualifying round. That's the round right before the group stage. And then two more teams for the Europa Conference League. And your matchup is number three, Feyenoord, taking on number B, Ajax. Here's how the table looks. PSV Eindhoven are actually number one at 37, Ajax are a point behind at 36 and Feynord have 36 as well it is going to be a three horse race it appears as another very good team but not quite good enough for the uh to probably hoist the trophy this year Vitesse they are seven more points back at 29 as far as the recent series between these two Ajax have absolutely dominated with a 16 5 and 3 record you can watch this one online ESPN plus 10 45 in the morning eastern time We'll talk about Feyenoord first. They play out of the city of Rotterdam in the Feyenoord district, which is in the south part. Uh, it's a metro area of about 80,000. It is really, really rough. One of the probably toughest parts in all of Amsterdam as far as violent crime. To be perfectly honest, you want to stay out of the south. And uh, the district that they actually play in now is not Feyenoord. That is where I think their offices are located. But the club grounds are now in, I'm going to pronounce it, Isomonde, I J S S E L M O N D E, probably butchering that. But one of my favorite things I do like about this club that doesn't sound quite as tough, quote unquote, is that whenever a goal gets scored and the sound system there, people play the Gloria Gaynor song, I Will Survive. Now, I've got no problem with that, but I am a much bigger fan of the cake version that you were hearing out of Austin, Texas, sort of an alt-rock band that was most popular maybe in the late 90s, early 2000s, something like that, but they did a really good cover of this. You're hearing the instrumental version, and we'll keep on with that for a little bit because it's awesome and because we can. Uh, This is the number 68 ranked club in all of Europe. They have won 15 league titles, most recently 2016-17 they won it, and that was their first one in the 2000s. 2017-18, the following year, Champions League, they made the group stage, and that is tied for the best that they have ever done. 2002, they had their best overall international finish ever. They won what is now called the Europa League and went under some slightly different name back then. This year, they started in and are about to play in the round of 16 in the Europa Conference League. Last year in league, they finished in fifth place. This year, they've got the number three offense, and yet they score almost two and a half times a game. Hard to believe that that isn't the best offense in the league. Uh, They've got the number B defense. They let in fewer than one goal per match on average. Tied for number one league leading scorers there, he's got 10 right now, is Brian Linsrosen. He's a winger, veteran. He's spent his entire career Uh, with uh, all Dutch clubs and mostly Division I ones and some yo-yo teams. Top 10 on assists is a guy whose name I am sure to butcher. He is from Turkey. Orkin, I'm going to pronounce it, Kokshu. K-O-K-C-U I think there were a couple of Diacritical marks in there That I didn't know the meaning of And didn't get into my notes In any case He's an attacking midfielder Just 20 years old Yeah, he's been playing Senior league ball With them since 2018 Already has nine uh, Turkish men's national team caps And he has been heavily connected To a possible transfer To Leeds over in the English Premier League. And then another man to look for, number two in clean sheets for the league, is their goalkeeper, Justin, I believe it's Bilo, B-I-J-L-O-W. He's had six of those so far. He is also very young, just 23 years old. I don't know if a transfer is imminent, but uh, the rumors I could find on him is that Liverpool, of all teams, keeps very close tabs on him. And this team's current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one in the last three across all competitions. And then, mighty, mighty Ajax, historically out of Amsterdam. Not, tight, not quite all-time great in recent years, but the 20th century, boy, they owned it. Uh, the international body, IFFHS, actually named them the seventh best club anywhere in the world in the 20th century. Currently, they're ranked by UEFA as number 17 in Europe. That puts them between uh, Roma and the Ukrainian powerhouse, uh, Shakhtar. Donetsk. They have won 35 league titles and they are your defending champions right now. They have three Champions League titles to their credit. Uh, most recent one was actually though back in 1994 95 and then their true glory days. They won three of those in the 70s. They're about to play Benfica out of Portugal in the round of 16 in the Champions League. That should be a one heck of a match. Uh, if they manage to get past Benfica that will be the farthest they've gone in a long time. In recent years in the Champions League really they tend to get you know maybe to the round of 16 sometimes fall just short of the group stage so the group stage is pretty much their average This year in league play, how are they not number one? A couple of teams, I think, had to mathematically have held them to nil-nil draws for it to even be possible that they're not number one because they have the number one offense with 49 goals and the number one defense with just having given up four. Their goal differential is almost twice as good as uh, second-place Feyenoord's right now. Uh, players to look for. Tied for number one in league scoring is Sebastian Haller. from. Uh, he is a forward from, uh, well, he reps for the Ivory Coast, but he's actually French-born. Uh, longtime European footy fans will know him well. Played for Eintracht Frankfurt over in the Bundesliga, I believe two or three seasons, and then West Ham in the Premier League as well. Number one in assists, all by his lonesome statistically, Dushan Tadic, their superstar veteran out of Serbia, plays forward. Uh, Southampton fans from the Premier League will know him well. He spent 2014-18 to 18 over there. And then they've also got the best goalkeeper in the league, Remco Pasveer. He has actually spent his entire career in the Netherlands, but he has been with all the best teams. In more recent years, he's been playing for Vitesse and PSV.
1: Match number five.
0: Hope you brought something long and interesting to read on this flight because we're heading all the way off to Chinese Taipei, or as I'm going to refer to it, Taiwan. Don't care to get into the politics, but the Taiwanese Premier League, they are rated number 35 out of the 42 teams in the Asian Confederation. And the winner gets to go to the group stage of something called the AFC Cup. It's a secondary secondary international club tournament there, largely for the champions of uh, what they call soccer developing nations, whether it's the smaller countries or uh, perhaps like in the past, some places like India, where football maybe is popular, but it's not the most popular sport. In any case, your matchup, and it's very late in the season, is number B Thai Power taking on number one Tainan City. They are tied on points on the table. That said, Tainan City actually have two matches left to play, but Thai Power only have one, so they have really they. They've got to hold serve pretty much and get the win here, I would expect. And history says they might be able to because Ty Power won the first match on the road, nil one this season. And just as a side note, this match was supposed to have been played on December 12th, but got postponed. Probably something COVID-related, but I would like to think it was just so it would be that much more dramatic. Let's talk about the host purse hosts first number b thai power out of uh city k-o-a-h-s-i-u-n-g it's in the southern part of taiwan it's the third biggest city is maybe three million people in the metro and i love their nickname and they are known as the southern overlord uh they've got a big muscular neptune looking guy on the crest really cool as you can tell by the name yes they are affiliated with the national utility company uh, they have not won any titles for this particular league, yet they are the most decorated team in the country's history. Uh, this iteration of top flight football in Taiwan, uh, this league has only been in place since 2017. They have finished in second place four straight years. But if you look at the league that ran from 2006 to 17, the Intercity Football League, They won six of those titles. And then when the top flight was called the Enterprise Football League from 1982 through 2009, they won an astounding 15 titles. And they won the AFC President's Cup in 2011. That is not a tournament that exists any longer, but basically it was one step below the AFC Cup. And that was the first ever, and maybe only ever, uh, Taiwanese uh, major international title they'd ever won. League play last year, as you might imagine, they finished in second place. This year, In they are in second place despite the fact that they're undefeated. They are 9-4-0 with a very impressive 25-5 goal differential, and they have won two straight matches. And now we shall talk end City. This is a very young club, founded in just 2016, yet they won this league last year, got to go to the AFC Cup started in the group stage where they went one and two, didn't happen to advance any further. And by the way, for Asian footy fans who might happen to be catching this, yes, I recognize that Tainan City may not necessarily be the name they officially go by. For sponsorship purposes, they actually go by Taiwan Steel. I've seen the two used sort of interchangeably between uh, two of my primary sources that I use for research for this particular show. And despite the fact that they're so young, Taiwan Steel is putting in the money. Get a load of this. In 2020, they added the national team's goalkeeper to their club. They added the 2019 MVP from the league and the 2019 golden boot winner, the guy who had the most goals, who was not the MVP all brand new to their roster just this last year and a half. So no surprise, perhaps, they've infer- in first. In fact, how have they even lost one? They're 10-1-1 on the year with a 39-11 goal differential. Their form, five straight wins and a 25-2 to goal differential. Uh, having a game in hand, I think it's safe to say that Tainan City slash Taiwan Steel are your favorites to take the title. Kittens possessed of an unholy power demand a recap of last week's match results. Let's get into it. We started our show on Saturday last week with the MLS Cup Final. It was title time between Portland and NYC FC, and it was the New Yorkers coming out on top 1-1 and then having to win a penalty kicks, 2-4. NYC had Castellanos with a goal and Morales with an assist, their Argentinian superstar duo that we said to look out for. Sunday's match, number B from Liga MX, Mexico, the Apertura Final, second leg of a two-legged tie between Atlas, that finished number B in the regular season, and number three, León and the result was an Atlas 1-0 win. Then they had to win on penalty kicks overall 4-3 because León had won the first match 3-2, so everything was tied up on aggregate. Match number three from Panama's LPF. Their playoff final was a single leg, Taro versus Herrera. It was the traditional power, Taro, coming out on top 3-0. Match number four, we went to Costa Rica, the Primera División. Their Apertura was finishing up with the second leg of a two-legged tie for the final with number B, Alajuelense, taking on number four, Saprisa. The result of that one was a nil-nil draw. Saprisa had won leg one, two to one, and so congratulations to them on the Apertura title. Match number five, we went much further south to Ecuador, Serie A, where Emelec was taking on Independiente De Valle in the second leg of their two-legged tie. The result for their final went 1-1, one one, but De Valle win the title on aggregate overall 4-2. Match number six from Bolivia's Primera División. It was the last match of their season. We had a bunch of teams all trapped near the top at the table looking for the title. The best-looking one was number eight, Guabira, taking on number B, Independiente Petrolero. They were going to need a win and some help. They got the win, two. to three. Guy we said to look for. Martin Kroos had abrasive goals for Guabira. By the way, Kevin Miner that we also said to look for had a goal. The strongest did end up blowing the title. They lost at number 11, Real Santa Cruz 0-1. It was a really wild match. Both teams lost men to straight red cards in the 72nd minute. And then the strongest, lost another man in the 70th, 75th minute and they went on to lose the game despite being number one in the league at that point so congratulations petrolero on your title match number seven from kosovo's super league we had number one Balkani taking on number two gilani and the result was a nil one win for Gelani. they are your current number one now, and that dropped Balkani all the way down to number three. Match number eight was several matches. We were looking at your various interesting FA Cups. Friday, from South Korea, the second leg of a home-and-away two-legged tie, Daegu FC took on Num Dragons, and the result was a three-to-four shootout win for the Dragons, and they win the title. On aggregate, it was four-to-four, four, but they do not go to penalty kicks in South Korea. They used away goals as the tiebreaker, and having four of them, that means they got to host, hoist the trophy. Sunday and Wednesday, we had the home and away matches as part of the two-legged uh, tie final for Brazil's FA Cup. Atletico MG taking on ad- underdogs Atletico Paranaense, and it was unsurprisingly Paranaense losing on both. So congratulations to Atletico MG. I believe they're winning the Brazilian Serie A. I don't need the help to get into the South American Champions League, the Copa Libertadores. Nevertheless, they won leg one on Sunday 4-0, and Wednesday they came out on top on the road, nil 2 Sunday oddly enough we looked at an Estonian cup match The round of 32 What made it interesting just caught my eye on the type sheet flora three yeah not their second division team (laughs) one of the powers in the league is flora and it was their third division team taking on the senior team and it went as nightmarishly as flora three thought that it might they lost nil to 14 to their (laughs) to their counterparts on the senior team goodness that had to have been painful uh excuse me monday and wednesday uh, we took a look at the IFA Shield out of India. I thought it was going to be a two-legged tie Monday and Wednesday. Turns out it was only a single-leg event for the final, and it was on Wednesday for that IFA Shield, and it was Real Kashmir coming out on top 2-1 to one over Sriniti Deccan. Tuesday, match number 9 was the CONCACAF League final, second leg of a two-legged tie between Comuna Casiones out of Guatemala versus Matagua from Honduras, and the result was Camuna Casiones coming out on top, 4-2. To that uh, bookended for them a 6-3 aggregate overall win, and so they are your title holders now. We didn't say to look for him, got to make mention. Juan Luis Anangana. He had a hat trick, and that was after his team had fallen behind 0-2 in this event. Goodness. And then Wednesday, match number 10 from the UEFA Women's Champions League, last match of the group stage. Number three in the title, TSG 1899, Hoffenheim needing a big win against number B, Arsenal women because only the top two from each group of four move on to the knockout stage. Head-to-head play is your tiebreaker and Arsenal whomped them in the first match 4-0. Well, guess what? Hoffenheim made it interesting. They won 4-1, to one, a valiant effort, but they still have to go home as Arsenal move on to the knockout round of this event. And then your bonus match with explanation on these coming later, your route of the week. Sunday's Norway Elite Serien, who is last place beyond taking on number one Boda Glimpt. And it was Boda Glimt coming out on top 0-3. Eric Botheim, that we said to look for as possible man of the match, had a goal. And that enabled them to win the league. It was going to take a loss for Boda Glimp, and I believe some other things happening for them to lose the title. But that wraps up the last of the Northern European leagues for this season. Then your most meaningless match of the world on money was from maltese premier league number eight sirens took a on number one number nine rather Bujing united and the result unsurprisingly for a match, a most meaningless match was a nil nil draw and then finally your match of disappointment was a sunday match from san marino the championship second to worst league in all of europe it is a microstate after all second to last place number 14 sp kai lungo took on number 15 ss cosmos your only two winless leagues in the league, not the case anymore. Ty Lungo, congratulations on getting a W. They won 2-1, to one, but as you might imagine, it wasn't enough to carry them into even unlucky number 13th place. So, no change in table positions there for the teams. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's dive back in to mini-previewing the upcoming week's matches with... Match number 6. And here's where we're going to do some cheating. This is not... A Sunday match. This is a series of matches. I didn't even write down what days of the week they are on, to be perfectly honest. You can use your Google machine to find out yourself about the glory that are the various interesting FA Cup tournaments throughout the world. For our newer listeners, the FA Cups are tournaments, knockout tournaments specifically, that uh, chronologically, chronologically get played right alongside The league tournament seasons And in many countries The FA Cup winners get something Like a to an international tournament Some places they don't Instead of giving them each their due So I can cheat and get more matches in I like this time of year Just to give the FA Cups each A little bit of due And just like we did last week And for no particular reason whatsoever Though a little bit more fittingly this week As you'll soon find out We are going to celebrate the FA Cup matches In haiku form First From France the round is 64 in the Coupe de France. Bordeaux from Ligue 1 and Jumeau are from Mayotte near Madagascar. Okay, that's a fun one. They are overseas French territories that are officially part of the seventh level of the French pyramid. Their club teams get to take part and Jumeau are the team that has still survived from the overseas territories. Very nice. All right, our second one. Let's see what we've got. The Scottish League Cup Final. Hibernians, Celtic, no international berth is on the line here. Okay, that's because the League Cup is actually technically not an FA Cup. It is a secondary knockout tournament that uh, most every place, I believe, except for England, they don't have anything on the line except for the trophy. And then our next one, yes, the Japanese Emperor's Cup Final. This is their FA Cup. Yorawa Diamonds from Tokyo's Jersey Shore. Jim Tan Sushi Life. Yeah, as you can guess from that and going all the way back to our website, is I don't even care who the other opponent is. Uh, We here on Team Noob are big fans of Yorawa. Yorawa Wed... Yorawa... Uh, Yarawa Red Diamond. Such, such big fans that were apparently not very practiced in saying it. It's a tough one. What can I say? I was eating a little bit between takes of uh, some of the jelly sandwich, the person who they've been enjoying earlier. I only give it eight out of 10 uh, bees or whatever she did, by the way. So they're having their final match. And the winner there, by the way, will get a Champions League berth. And then finally, from Kuwait, the Amir Cup final. Kuwait SC and Al Alkadsia do battle. No CL berth here. This is their FA Cup, but unlike a lot of the Asian countries, the winner doesn't automatically get a berth into any sort of international tournament, just the glory of winning a nice, bright, shiny piece of metal.
1: Match number seven.
0: Back to our official and singular Sunday matches. We're headed off to, yeah, the Caribbean for a Grenada Premier League. And yes, I've been practicing my pronunciation. Grenada is the Spanish one. Grenada is what you're referring to when you're talking about the islands and the Grenadines, which are the part of the Caribbean islands that are really pretty close to South America. Just give you some geographical perspective there. Uh, this league, I don't think it even carries like a ranking really even ordinarily within CONCACAF because they just don't do any international play. The winner of this league officially qualifies for the CFU club. I'm not sure if it's championship, the professional one technically, or more as I suspect the shield. Tournament. We talked about those earlier. I'm not sure which of the two they officially qualify for, but no team from this country has literally ever gone to a CONCACAF competition. Sort of weird that they're even members, to be honest. But nevertheless, we love learning about the footy from everywhere. We've only got a little bit about these particular teams, but it's still part of our fun, our worldwide mission. They're about two-thirds of the way through the season. The matchup we're going to look at is number one, Paradise. Versus number B, Hurricanes. They are tied on points at the table. Both teams are 10-1-1. Paradise have the lead, courtesy of three on goal differential. Uh, Closer to the official name of this club is ASOMS Paradise. I did not bother to look up what the alphabet soup meant. They are also known or have been known in the recent past as Paradise FC International. Uh, they were founded in 1988, just a few years after the league was actually founded That, I believe, was 82 uh, They are a town or a village, depending on how you want to look at it semantically In the sort of east-southeast part of the country The parish that they are in is called St. Andrews And is the largest one on the island The capital is Greenville, a town that, if you know this region at all Might be the one that's more familiar to you The whole parish, however, it's not a big country It only has like 26,000 people The team has won five league titles in all since 2005. Uh, Most recent one was 2018-19. This year, they have got the best offense going, scoring over three times per game. And on defense, tied for best, they only give up three goals every four games on average. And then Hurricanes, they play out of the town of Victoria, which really is just sort of an oversized fishing village in the northwest part of the island, to be honest. They play in the smallest parish called St. Mark's whole place has only got about 4,000. The only league title that they won, I believe, was last year. But even take that with a grain of salt. When you're talking about some of these smaller countries that don't do a lot of international play, it's hard for as quickly as I have to do research for so many matches you know, to really do deep dives on some of these things sometimes and confirm some of the information. In any case, in league play, they have the second-best offense averaging uh, exactly three goals per game, and they are also tied for number one on defense. Match number eight. And now that we're back in the CONCACAF region, let's stay there, head a little bit further north towards Nicaragua, the Liga Primera there. They're their Apertura. Quick reminder, in most of the Spanish-speaking countries in our hemisphere, they divide the soccer year into two separate stages or seasons, the apertura or opening, and the clausura and closing. And there's really not much of a connection between the two. They are wholly separate tournaments. All right, got that covered. Uh, Nicaragua's top flight is uh, probably ranked by most as being the 12th best. Actually, it, it's uh, – In the region, it's not all that good other than Belize as far as Central America. It's probably uh, the worst one, to be perfectly honest. But still, we pay attention to everywhere. After all, we were just in Grenada. So why not go to Nicaragua? Where your playoff matchup, the second leg of the two-legged tie, is number one Real Esteli from the regular season versus the regular season's number B team, Dirion Hen. Dirion Hen actually held serve and won 1-0 in their home match for this two-legged final. So now time to see what Real Esteli can do on their turf. Here's how things went in the regular season. Last time the Esteli got to host, they won 3-0. That was just a couple matches back, I think. And then Darion Hen went much earlier in the season when they got to host by a 3-2 score. We'll talk about Esteli first. They are known as the Train of the North, and that refers to where they are geographically, as you might imagine, but it's a really extra nice area of the country. If you don't like just absolutely swimming in heat and humidity, this is in the northern highlands of the country where the crime, climate is tremendous. It's much cooler there. And in fact, an uh, interesting historical side note, it's perfect for tobacco growing. And in fact, this particular town was a refuge back in the very late 50s for Cuban cigar makers uh, that come of gotten away from the revolution and so that is a trade that is still practiced there to this day it's been handed down Esteli is the eighth biggest city in the country as all. Has maybe about 110,000 people in it. They have 17 league titles historically. That is the second most in the country. Diri Hen is the one that actually has the most. So this is the country's uh, Classico, if you will. And this team is, uh, are rather the defending champions. They won the 2020 Klausura stage. And then they got to go all the way to the CONCACAF Champions League this year where they made the round of 16. Very impressive. I would like to think that maybe Nicaragua's league is As a whole will benefit and be on the rise as far as the overall quality Uh, to make the final. They beat Walter Ferretti, one of the teams that has kind of surpassed them in recent years. But Walter Ferretti didn't have an answer for him this time. They lost six to one on aggregate in the home and away two legged tie. In the regular season, Esteli had the number one offense at over two goals per match, third best defense, and number one overall goal differential. Key player to look for is number five league leading scorer, uh, Danilo Feijão from Brazil, an attacker. Uh, He actually spent his entire career in Brazil, although even Brazilian voting fans might not recognize his name. I don't think any of the several clubs he played for were actually uh, Serie A uh, top flight clubs. As far as the team's current form, they had won three straight until their leg one loss here in the playoff final. And now Dirion Hen, they play from a similarly named uh, city called uh, Diriamba. It is in the southwest part of the country, very tropical in climate, 65,000, and they are known as the Chiefs, or sometimes it can be translated as kings, It's not a direct thing. In Spanish, I believe you would pronounce it casiques, they have 26 league titles to their credit. Most recent one was the 2018 Clausura stage and that actually broke a 13-year drought for them. So this is the country's El Clasico, but it hasn't been quite as classic in recent years. Good to see a traditional power kind of back on the rise. That makes things fun. This year, they're the number 3 offense in the league scoring over twice per match, second best defense, second best goal differential. Uh, man to look for in the box score, number 6 league league scorer, Jaime Moreno. He is their Venezuela Wayland born attacker. Teams form. They have four straight wins to their credit with a 10 to 1 goal differential. And I'm going with the upset pick. I think that the former uh, great Caciques uh, will be able to come back and win this one on the road. Match number nine. And we're headed back to Europe this time to the microstate of Andorra for their Primera Divisio or Divisio. It is the second to last ranked league in all of Europe, as you would imagine. That's because of its very, very uh, small size. They are just under halfway through the season. And uh, the matchup that I'm looking at is number one Interclub de Escaldes taking on number B UE Santa Coloma. Uh, it is Interclub that lead right now by two. And I say I'm looking at it rather than we because that's all we're going to say about this particular match. We have been to Andorra in a recent episode before. And so, as we often do late in the episodes, we're going to use our love of footy as an excuse to learn even more to aid our love of culture or specifically in this case... Food, yes. One of my favorite things to do on this show is to find a recipe that is based on the country, or maybe specifically where the home team is from. Now, Andorra has a lot of French influence because it's you know right there between uh, you know France and Spain on the border, caught in there. But this is largely a Catalonian area, and that's where the majority of the cultural influence comes from. So we're going to talk a little bit about a dish called escudella, which is a hot pot of stew, if you will, of meat and vegetables and noodles or some other pasta. It's a very typical Catalan dish. It's usually eaten in the wintertime, but there's a billion different ways to serve this. And uh, oftentimes it includes a big meatball, which is cut into slices for serving. Sometimes you get a meatball and then soup. It can kind of be two different dishes in one. In any case, what we're going to talk about, since it is mid-December, is Escudella de Nadal, Christmas time Escudella. This is in uh, traditional homes the first dish of Christmas lunch when the whole family gets together. It's usually made in a particular way with something called sopa de uh, gallets i'm going to pronounce the g-a-l-e-t-s hopefully it's just like it looks which is a soup with big and i mean big pasta shells like i mean in some escudelas they're so big that you can actually make smaller meatballs and hide them entirely within the pasta shells here's some of the stuff you're going to make for this absolutely delicious sounding dish veal brisket Lamb brisket, a uh, couple of black Botafara sausages. Uh, this is sausage very famous to the region Botafara. It's basically raw pork. So if that's not your thing, maybe this won't be the dish for you. I recommend giving it a try. The black ones, as you might have, think of black pudding from over in uh, Europe or Ireland or somewhere. It's got the uh, boiled blood right in there with the sausage. You're also going to want two white Botafara sausages. Those are ones that are exactly the same, but with no blood in them at all couple rashes of bacon, Pig snout and pig's trotter or feet, if you can get it. Even a piece of pig's tail or maybe something from the backbone. Ham bone, a quarter hand or chicken, potatoes, carrots, celery, parsnip, turnip, leek, uh, chickpeas, which I really, really like. Uh, you're going to want half cabbage at least. And this is the dish I'm looking at is actually meant to serve eight. So you might not need all of these meats, but you're going to want lots of it if you're making it for a smaller or a larger group rather. Uh, for the pelota or the meatball, you're going to use um, minced veal, minced pork, and then crushed garlic, egg, chopped uh, parsley, salt, pepper to taste, biscuit flour, and breadcrumbs, of course, to hold it together. Now the preparation. You're going to take the meat, apart from the sausages and the meat that you're going to make the pelota or meatball out of. You're going to put it all in a saucepan of cold water, boil it for an hour, and you want to frequently get the foam out of there. I don't know why, but it was very particular to the recipe that I was looking at and you then immediately add the chickpeas now after all that stuff has been boiling for a full hour then you're going to add in all the vegetables except for the potatoes meanwhile while this is going on you're going to mix all the meatball ingredients mix them with your hands till everything is well bound together no real secret to making a good oval shaped uh meatball pretty standard now after the escudillo has cooked for that for another hour add in the potatoes the sausages that pilota or meatball and uh, first coated in flour and then salted. And then we leave- all that together to simmer together for an hour. And then when everything's cooked, strain the stock, and then you're going to boil the pasta and instead of using fresh water, actually use that stock that you've been making for these two hours. Now you can serve the soup first and then the rest. Uh, You can even separate the meat and vegetables and slice the meatball any way, any way you want. You're not going to be able to go wrong. Google up some pictures and recipes. This looks absolutely fabulous.
1: Hey everyone, Purse Noobs, super surprising news! Yay! Anyways, so our super surprising news is that we have a new word that we refuse to num- to say. I-, I was thinking of, oh my gosh, I'm such a failure. Anyways, uh, the word we will never say besides today because I'm telling you it is cheeseburger. Done. dun, dun. dun. Roblox has gotten way too into me, so we're, for now on and forever, going to say, cheeseburger. Yeah, you heard me right, folks. Chez. Chesburger. <clears throat> Sorry, my thought. Never say cheeseburger ever again, or Roblox will haunt you, and so will I. And match number ten, we're done. Finally!
0: Yes, Person Noob, finally. And we finally have a match that is held on something other than the weekend. Even our three bonus matches that are going to follow this match number 10, I believe, are all weekend matches. Very unusual for all of them to be grouped there. Usually you'll only get kind of the lion's share. In any case, we are headed to Bulgaria to the first pro league, which is their top flight there, ranked number 24 of all the European leagues, a little bit above average. They still just get one Champions League berth and then three Europa Conference League bursts, although they're high enough that their ECL teams get to start in the second qualifying round Not a huge deal, but worth noting And uh, they're just over halfway through the season there in Bulgaria Your key looking matchup, number B, CSKA Sofia versus number 1, Ludogorets Rosgrad uh, Rosgrad have had the best of it in the series in recent years with a 15-6-9 record And they beat them in, earlier this season when they got to host by a 3-0 score Rosgrad lead by five in the table currently, CSKA Sophia in turn lead a team whose name I forgot to look up, Cherno More is what it looks like phonetically, but that pronunciation may be way off. In any case, Sophia lead them by five. First, let's look at the host, CSKA. By the way, anytime you see those letters, if you're not familiar, whether it's Russia or any of the former uh, Eastern Bloc countries, that means army. This is a team that I don't think was an Army team in the sense that only people in the Army got to play for it, which is the case sometimes, but at the very least, this team was directly sponsored by the Army and may well still be. In any case, they're ranked number 138 in all of Europe. They've won 31 league titles over the years. Most recent one was a fair bit back, 2007-2008. Twice they have made the semifinals of the Champions League, but you've got to go all the way back to the early 80s to find that. Uh, the Europa League, that's where they've had their most international success. They made the round of 16 in 2001-2002. And then this year in the new Europa Conference League, they actually made the group stage. But they finished last in the group stage, but at least they got there. Last year, they finished number three in the league, hence the reason they got to go to the ECL. Statistically, second-best offense, third-best defense, very balanced team. Lead-leading score to look out for here, Jordy. Caicedo he is from Ecuador forward 24 years old he's even already got five national team caps to his credit and then tied for number Three to assist for this team is a uh, homegrown Guy winger Georgi Yamov 24 years old He's been very busy internationally with 20 NT caps Teams form they are 1-1-1 one, one, and one Currently across all competitions in their last Three now Ludogorets Razgrad, they are known as the Eagles And are ranked number 55 in UEFA Remember that's compared to number 138 That's quite a gap to be perfectly honest That puts them between teams you've actually Heard of uh, LASK from Austria and then the probably far more familiar team Hoffenheim from Germany this uh, town of Rosgrad is in the northeast part of the Country Not too big about 30,000 people the club was founded in 1945 but they only Made the top flight I believe for the first time in 2011 and that's a lot of (laughs) buildup. but boy when they got there I guess they were really prepared because They have won every Single league title Since climbing into Division 1 They also have two Champions League Group stage appearances to their credit The more recent one in 2016-17 Europa League like with a lot Of these kind of middling Club champions have their best success In the Europa League they made the round of 16 in 2013-14 Excuse me They've got the number one best offense in the league by miles, scoring over two and a half per match. They've got tied for the second best defense, only allowing exactly one per match on average. And that is good for a goal differential that is two and a half times what CSKA Sofia have managed to put together. These are your favorites. That's what I'm saying. Uh, number B league score, is there's a boast of, Piero Sotrio. He is a Cypriot striker, meaning he's from the country of Cyprus. Best club he's played for over the years. He's a little bit of a veteran. Uh, he spent three seasons with Copenhagen over in Denmark, and he's got almost 50 national team appearances to his credit, although I don't think he's played for them since 2018. They've also got the top two assist leaders in the entire league on on their team their form uh not exactly red hot they're one one and one against all competitions right now bring forth the bonus matches ah uh, yes my favorite part of the show perhaps in large part because you have the chance to help decide what the content is going to be. Here's how that works. Soccer Noob USA is my Twitter on handle. I hope you'll find me there as I put up the polls, usually on Mondays or Tuesdays, to determine which candidate matches are going to be the winners and get to get featured on the show for these very three unique bonus matches with explanations coming for each of them. This first one that you have voted on is a first versus last place matchup from some domestic top flight in the world that we like to call the... Route.
1: Route, route, route of, 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 of the week, 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 week.
0: And with just 40% of the vote and yet being the winner. A Friday match from Italy's Serie A. We're headed back there once again, but this time for number 20. And last place, Salernitana taking on number one Inter. Salernitana, now they trail number 17, Spezia, by four, taking a look at the table. The reason that's important is because numbers 18 through 20 will all be relegated at season's end. So there's still a little bit of hope for them, at least by the looks of it at a glance. Inter, meanwhile, we talked about the top of the table first. Uh, They lead Milan by one. As far as the overall series between these two, I'm not sure that they've ever played before. I mean, ever. Let's talk about Salernitana first. They are from the city of Salerno. Uh, Give you some geographical perspective. If you can imagine the classic vision of Italy on a map as being the boot kicking the soccer ball. It's in the southwest part of the country, basically. I would say it's at the bottom of the shin. It's a city that's not too large, about 150,000, but it's noteworthy. History majors might remember that the first med school ever in the world was built there early in the Middle Ages interesting side note. Uh, last year, they finished in second place in Serie B and got themselves promoted. Hence, now they're in the top flight. Uh, this club's had a uh, pretty bad recent history. In 2011, they were actually what's called excluded. That basically means kicked out of the Italian FA entirely. It was probably due to finances. I didn't read that directly, but I did see that they had had, uh, they were flirting with bankruptcy or went through it just Like the year before, so I can't imagine that it would be anything else Then they got refounded the next year, but they had to start all the way back in Serie A.D., the number four division Also another fun side note, they don't seem to have an official mascot But their crest looks really cool, I can't quite tell It looks like it's a seahorse, and I know this is a port town But it's so stylized that I can't tell if I'm imagining it or not in any case, they are a uh, kind of woeful two-two uh, and fourteen record on the season. They've actually got more—that's uh, more, more wins—those two than the other two teams that are in the relegation zone. But they haven't been able to manage nearly enough draws to go along with those two wins. They've got the worst offense and defense going with an eleven and forty-two goal differential through eighteen matches. Their best all-around player is probably. Uh, Gregoris Castanos, uh, talking about another Cypriot. Actually, he's a central midfielder, 23 years old. He is here on loan. He was with Juve, but not their senior team. He was playing with the under 23 side. Uh, passing, he's pretty good. He's an excellent tackler, especially for his size. He's only five nine. As far as the team's form, no real surprise here. They've lost four straight across all competitions and have a very ugly 0 and nine goal differential over that stretch. Uh, meanwhile, go. Coming to town, heading to Salerno for target practice, is Inter. They've got the number one offense in the league by lots two and a half goals per match. Second best defense, they don't even allow a goal per match on average, and that's good for the number one all overall goal differential. They're still my favorites to win the league, in fact. Number four scorer is there's Lautaro Martinez. He's an Argentinian striker. Another short king, five foot nine inches tall, is all 24 years old. Uh, he's got 24 national team caps already to his credit just the last three years. Despite his height, he is an amazing jumper, and he's particularly strong, especially in shoulder his upper body He also passes very well So oftentimes you won't see him play pure striker They'll put somebody else there And then they'll let this guy play right behind him in What's called the second striker role Number one in league assists uh, Nicolo Barella, Homegrown midfielder, 24 years old This is a position I've never known too much about But if I can find some way to see this online I want to watch for him Because this is particular to Italian soccer. They've got a position that they call the Mazzala, ala and basically what that means is plays right winger specifically is very offensive minded almost plays like a third striker the guy that uh, Barella that's doing that he's very very small as well but he's physical and he's excellent at winning back balls that have been taken for him so he's going to go charging in from that right wing quite a bit more than likely and even if he loses the ball he's looking to get it right back in the zone own, not wait for the defense to bail them out and then finally tied for number two in league goalkeeping as far as clean sheets there are 37 year old slovenian veteran samir hendanovic known as the batman for having been very acrobatic at the very least in his younger years and he's excellent uh, as a penalty saving specialist Team's current form, uh, they haven't lost any matches since October Except for a loss in the Champions League to Real Madrid They have won five straight league matches And they didn't concede a single goal over their last four This is going to be a blowout, that's why we call it the Route of the Week I'm going to predict a uh, 0-4 win for Inter on this one Could you be... The most meaningless match in the world. Yes, you could. You're so boring. (laughs) Yes. We are, in fact, the podcast that will weekly serenade two teams from the middle of their table, perfectly equidistant between the glory that is the top, where they might get international berths, and the bottom, the relegation zone, where they might be kicked out of their top flight league, never perhaps even to be seen again. The most meaningless match in the world that you have voted for, a Sunday match from the Czech Republic's first league, where the champion will get to go to the Champions League. The next two teams will get to go to the Europa Conference League. The other end of the spectrum, one team will Be relegated two other teams Will get to fight for their first division lines Through what's called a relegation playoff And these two teams aren't going to Probably have a sniff at any of that Number 10 Sigma Olomoc Versus number 11 Fastav Zlin Uh, Olomoc trail number 3 Sparta Prague by 21 Points they not only have a lot of teams To jump but there's a lot of points to be made up They're not going into international competition Meanwhile Plastos Lin, they lead number 14. That's the best of the teams in an RPO position. FK Pardubitza by just four points. So a little bit closer to that. And I believe that these two teams, since I scouted for this match, I think they lost three matches between them, between when I scouted it and when you're now hearing this. So they're a little lower than the table than when they once were, but they were still worthy of the meaningless match. Uh, The series has been all Olomouc. They are 10-3-3 against Zlin in recent years, and uh, they won 1-4 on the road earlier this season, Olomoc did. And we'll talk about them first. That is the name of the city out of which they play. It is in the east-central part of the Czech Republic. It's the former capital of the uh, region that might be more familiar to you, historically called Moravia. Uh, cities proper has only got about 100,000 people, but the greater area has uh, closer to four times that many. Last year they finished in ninth place. This year, I think statistically they're showing signs that they're going to move up, if not all the way up into the top three by any stretch, because they've got the sixth best offense. They can score. Problem's been the defense. They're only uh, tenth best in that regard, but that's good overall. Believe it or not, for the sixth best goal differential, and they've actually got a positive one. This is a this is a quality team, just not a great team. Uh, looks. Like The most average player they have, the most meaningless player, if if you will, is Antonin Rushek. He is a homegrown 22-year-old second striker, plenty of time to move on from meaningless into uh, somebody that actually matters, but right now, he's only got four goals and two assists on the year, and they probably need more of one or the other from him to climb the table more than a rung or two. Team's current form, they have lost two straight matches, and now... Fastav uh, Zlin. They're also in the Moravian region of the country, uh, more southeasterly, though, and their city is only about 75,000. Team nickname, the Cobblers. This was a very small village, if you just go back, say, like 75 years with only a few thousand people, until a major shoe factory happened to get built there and that ended up supplying the, the whole national army. And it's one of, if not the major employers still there to this day. Last year they finished in 14th place So it's actually a little bit of an Improvement for them to get up into the uh, Meaningless territory. They are a Yo-yo team. They tend to go back and forth Historically between this and the second Division, but this is their sixth Straight year in Division 1 So congrats to them on that uh, 2016-17 was probably The best year, certainly the best League year they've had in recent Memory. Uh, they finished uh, number Six. They actually got to go To the Europa League probably through a couple. Performance and got all the way to The group stage their Statistics are actually more in line what you Would expect from a meaningless team But in fact poor enough that I think if Anything they'll drift a little bit closer to the Relegation zone Player they can possibly hang their hat on on the scoring leaderboard for the entire league is Tomasz Potznar, veteran, 33 years old. He has spent his entire career with various Czech clubs, and in fact, he started his senior career with Zlin and was with them to from 2006 through 18, so practically a professional lifetime. You know, uh, and he's from right in this area, so welcome home, Mr. Potznar but their most meaningless player, in my opinion, the guy that they need more help from, but who hasn't been a total, totally abysmal performer, is their right winger, a Frenchman named Yoba Drame, 23 years old. They've only gotten one goal and one assist out of him. And that one goal, I mean, their defenders have been scoring one goal each. So they've just got to get more out of him if they're not going to drift back towards that relegation zone. Team's current form they are 1 0 and 2 across all competitions with a 4 and 8 goal differential. As always with this podcast, we do not like to do our final bonus match and end on notes of happiness or joy, but rather end with wailing and gnashing of teeth. We should have naught for scorn for these two teams, for they occupy the last two places in their top flight league. This is the match of...
2: disappointment.
0: Oh, and they should be shouted at. They're just that bad. We're headed over to Asia, China, for the Super League, which is only now the number 7-ranked league, believe it or not, in all of Asia, and that is down six spots from a year ago. They're below Uzbekistan, for goodness sakes. Uzbekistan. You probably got to look it up to even know how to spell it right, and China fell below them. The whole darn league, apparently, is very disappointed Yeah, I'm going to double up my affixes again Example, Jiangsu won the league last year And then they promptly had to shut down in February That's what kind of financial and general bad shape this league is in Uh, As far as how they've run things this year uh, The top and the bottom half from each of their two groups of eight In the first phase of the season separated into championship and relegation rounds Now what's relevant for us is that the bottom two teams will not be automatically relegated. Nobody's automatically getting kicked out of the Super League, much as they might like to be. As bad of a league as it's uh, becoming compared to what they've been until their uh, recent fading from their glory years, they will actually both have chances to survive via a relegation playoff match with some uh, Division Two team. There are only five matches left in the season, and currently your two worst are number fifteen Tianjin Jinmen Tiger, and they are taking on number sixteen in the last place Kingdao FC. Uh, as far as the recent series, King Dao, there's only been a couple of matches and they won them both. Uh, Tiger, they currently lead uh, King Dao by one in the table. And these aren't necessarily, at least at glance, the two that are necessarily going to have to fight uh, for their RPO lives because each of the next three teams above them is just one point better than the last. So realistically, there's still three other teams as well as these two that I think could end up in the relegation zone. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Tianjin Tiger. Tiger, First, a little something about the city that's interesting. This is not part of a municipality or what we would think of as a state. This is one of what I think is nine different cities. ...in the country that are under direct federal control. Uh, Greater Metro probably is about 16 million. It's uh, ranked just outside of the top 10 in the world in size. Uh, Yet it's only the number uh, four biggest metro area, I believe, in China. It's on the north coast of the country. Uh, It's considered largely a gateway to Beijing. Now, if you have followed soccer from this part of the world before... Don't get lost on the names. Some of them have been changed and some of them have been shortened. Why? Because starting this year, no more corporate sponsorships are being allowed in the names for some reason. Additionally, as a side note, and I gather this is the first time, uh, the league is, or the FA at least has also instituted both team and individual salary caps, trying to get their costs under control. So this team was Tianjin TEDA. I don't know if they pronounced the acronym or spelled it out, obviously with romanization. It's hard for me to know for sure, but that's how you would have at the very least seen them in print until this year. And now you have the newer name. Uh, Before this season, I mean, they're in the disappointed match, but they're lucky to be playing it all. Before the 2021 season started, all signs were, were pointing to them to simply not having a team anymore. They were going to shut down as well. They had functionally been closed down by TEDA. I didn't happen to read how they worked their way around it, but all of a sudden, at the very last moment, they submitted uh, team names and uh, team player names and other paperwork and got to participate this year, (laughs) if barely. Uh, They do have three Division I titles to their credit, but you've got to go back a ways. 1983 was the last time they got even a share of a trophy, and it was a shared trophy, in fact. But or at least I should say a league trophy because they have won the FA Cup twice and the more recent of those two times was in 2011 Uh, Let's see 2010 was their best league finish I believe uh, In more recent years as they finished in second place They've been to the Asian Champions League three different times and in 2011 even made the round of 16 best they've ever done Last year they finished in 10th place Uh, Let's see, as far as this year, in the regular season, they finished in second to last. That's seventh place in the group stage phase. Uh, The stats are just what you would expect from a team this bad. Number 15 overall in the standings, aggregate table, uh, number 14 offense and defense. So rather than look for good players, let's see who stinks the worst. As is usually the case, it's the goalkeeping letting them down. Their worst player on paper is Shengkun Teng. He's actually got one man of the match this year for one particular match round, and it was apparently the only time he ever managed to clean sheet him and his defense all year long. That's the only one he's had. Team's current form They are 0-2-2 In their last four And the win That they had before That was actually Only over a university team In the FA Cup So you can hardly Even count that To be honest So let's move on To the even sadder King Dao side No official mascot But they too have a tiger On their crest Although when this club Was first founded Which wasn't that far back In 2013 They were known as The Sea Bulls I almost I should have googled this up To see if that's even A real thing I I'm just going to say it's not. It sounds like, it sounds like BS to me. The Sea Bulls. Sea Bull, you know what is more like it. Uh, this is an Eastern seaport town, Qingdao, in the Shandong Province, area of uh, well under six million people. Thing it might be most famous for, uh, unless you are a teetotaler, is Singtao Beer. Uh, very famous in, here in the States. It's made by the second biggest brewery overall there in China. Something else interesting about this area that I had no idea about that this even happened. Germany actually basically leased this city for 16 years, some decades back, did a lot of building and they had a couple different architects. They had kind of similar uh, utopian quote unquote visions. And what they imagined was uh, this is a heavily industrial area, lots of red brick buildings. And so they, Rebuilt and designed this area Keeping everything looking uniform So the homes are made Out of largely the exact same materials As the factories Gives everything kind of a strange look Uh, This team was promoted to the Super League By the way, just after the 2019 Season, so they're very new Nevertheless, we accept no excuses You're still very disappointing to me And your mother, quite frankly Last year, they finished in 14th place. Uh, this year, worst offense in the league, worst defense by the lots. They give up over two and a half goals per match. As you might imagine, they finished in dead last in their group, in the group stage phase. Worst player they've got going on the defensive side, but in a rarity, isn't necess- Isn't a goalkeeper. Zeng Zhu is their right back. He does some right midfield work for them as well. And he's bad. But instead of looking up stuff on him, I did see a name that I recognized. I knew he had left for somewhere in Asia, but I had never paid attention to where. So, uh, LAFC fans, remember Romain Alessandrini? I don't know if the club didn't want him or if he wanted to leave for money, uh, what the deal was. But he was with the Falcons for three seasons before coming here. That's where he ended up at the worst team in China. And even before that is sad because he was with a couple of pretty decent uh, French teams, uh, Marseille and uh, Rain over there. As far as the team's current form, uh, the form is a great big lump. They have not beaten a league team since mid-May. And so on those notes of putridity, that is how we essentially end the podcast not with anything that you were going to enjoy, but rather we will all send them out in our traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. Get them away. Hey, boo. boo. And that's a wrap on episode 62 of Soccer Noob Rockin' America. Thank you to the whole gosh darn team and to you for listening. Until next time, have a fabulous footy week. Take care.